This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie Deschal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Hallelujah. We're closing out our series on We Need a Move. And um, this morning, the title of the message is Rise Up, Pick Up Your Bed, and Walk. We're reading in John 5, in the daily Bible reading. So if you'd like to turn this, John 5 from verses 1 to 15. It's good to hear the pages of Bibles turning. If you're there, say, aha. Okay? If you're not there, just keep turning left. It's on page 1,136 in my Bible. Here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, after this, there was a feast of Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he was already, he had already been in that condition for a long time. He said to the man, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man, no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps, someone else steps down before me. Jesus said to the man, rise Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was a Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said, Take up your bed and walk. Then they answered him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. A multitude had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. And the Lord blessed the reading of his word. It is interesting. The word Bethesda actually means the house of mercy. It is translated in the, in the Hebrew to mean the house of mercy. Yet there were people there who had not received mercy. You see, there was a belief amongst the Jewish tradition that if you had a sickness or leprosy or blindness or were lame or paralyzed or disabled, it was because of some sin in your life or the sin of your forefathers that would have you in that condition. So the people around this pool, as it was known as the house of mercy, were literally people that were looking for mercy. But isn't it ironic that those seeking mercy spent their time sitting at the gates of supposed mercy and didn't receive any? In fact, the odds of receiving many, of receiving any mercy was the stirring of some water, the purchase of some anointing oil, sorry, sorry, sorry. 
And maybe one person out of a whole multitude would receive mercy. You know, some of you relate to this. But today I'll give you an inside story of how I grew up. Our family had a resident prophet. You know, the prophet are those, you know, the white gamins prophet. In fact, when I say resident, we actually had a house that we put him in, that he stayed in, that the whole clan consulted. Now and then, in fact, very often, we would go and consult this prophet. And, you know, for those of you that know, they... You know, they have all sorts of things that they do to scare you. And it's so interesting. These men that were supposedly filled with the Spirit of God would also have demons come upon them and they would speak in a demonic voice. And they would say, who are you? And they would be answering themselves, who are you? I'm your tete. What are you doing here? Ah. Light and darkness were mixing. So, you know, they, they used to have things, emblems, that they would give us. So, would have the power to de- defeat the things that enslaved us, the things we needed deliverance from, sickness in our family, poverty, uh, munyama, why things were not working. And I just want to show you some of the things that I grew up as uh, my house of mercy. We used to have bottles like this, brown bottles with water. Don't go, hey, some of you know these. You'd and pray for them. Then like a prescription, you tell you every day when you bath, just drop some of this in your bath to keep the spirits away. Then in the corner of your windows, you'd keep bottles like this, to keep the demons and the things from coming in. And, uh, but to my surprise, we kept going back because, and every time we went back, the demons were worse than the last time we went there. And what was troubling us was worse than what was the last time we were there. So, and I don't know why we never figured this out. But this house of mercy was not giving us the deliverance promised. Then, you know, as you went back and your demons got bigger, they would say to you, go and buy mkaka. This one of yours now needs some coloring. So they would pray for this milk. Then say, when you bath, drop some milk in your bath. When you drink tea, put some of this milk in your tea. But still the problems persisted. And the mixture got more and more disgusting. So now when we went there, they would give us eggs. So now your, your formula was once a day when you bath, bath with the mixture, drop the water, then drop the, the milk, then have a mixture of the milk and the egg and drop some of that. Then when you eat in your water and drink some of the drops of water three times a day, Put the milk in your tea and the egg, find some way to bear it and swallow some of these holy eggs. Praise the Lord. Then exam times would come. And we had all sorts of problems. You know, we had cousins that needed to get married. 
you know, I was doing exams at the time, and every time exams were coming, I was chambuenda. And then the clots would come out. Ah, this is heavy stuff. Heavy, heavy stuff. Machira. So they would cut a piece of cloth, and they'll say, when you're going to write, put it in your pocket. Don't go here, you know this. And they'll tell my cousins, when you're going to see that man, carry the cloth with you. Don't go here, some of you are doing it here. Because these were the people of covenant who were sitting by the pool of the house of mercy, listening and telling each other stories and giving each other formulas of deliverance and saying, this anointing water is powerful. This anointing oil is powerful. We're still doing it today. They've just swapped my garments for suits and we're flocking there. And that is the house of mercy. You see, when I was growing up, they claimed deliverance and healing in the name of some God. And sometimes, sometimes, far and in between, by chance, something would happen that they mentioned. But most times, nothing happened but us keeping bound to them. They never introduced us to this God that was so powerful that could deliver. Because they were the ones that had access to him. The power remained with them and we remained bound. They kept us focused on processes, tokens, emblems, machira, mkaka, mazai, vura, etc., etc. And never the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. We kept our eyes on these things. Took them in increasing doses, believing that the bigger the dose, the bigger the deliverance. The more routine you followed it, the better the chance of deliverance. You see, there were stories that were told at the house of mercy. But imagine this. At that place, there was a man who was there for 38 years. 38 years. This situation is like the situation of most of us who proclaim to know Jesus Christ. We've been called kings, but we insist on sitting on our inheritance and starve to death without making a move to possess our possession. We're in a place, supposedly, of mercy, deliverance, but we still feel bound by our circumstances and environment. Why is it that there are many at the house of mercy, yet we do not access it, yet we do not see its fruit? They sit at the edge of deliverance, but remain bound and come day after day to the point of their inheritance, but never inherit. So Jesus, of whom it is written in Isaiah 61, and then he declares it in Luke 4, says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, to set the prisoner free, to bring healing to the blind, to set the captives free, to proclaim the favor of the Lord. And Jesus closed the book and looked for and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All these people who were oppressed, who were bound, who were sick, who had disability, who were blind, who were at the house of mercy, who were right by the poolside of deliverance. One day, 
Jesus himself comes to that pool of deliverance. And the one who was anointed to bring the thing they searched for, they did not know him. John said this, John the Baptist, he says, I baptize with the water of repentance, but there's one greater than me whose sandals I'm not worthy to wear. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Then he says to the Pharisees, because he was baptizing people, there was a pool of water. There was water, water, and people love water. Anything to do with water, oil, we love those kind of things. So when John came preaching, repent, and there's a baptism of repentance, they all flocked because it was an outward sign of an inward void. So when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came there to perform a ritual, to do something outwardly, to take care of something inwardly, John said to them, you brood of vipers, bear fruit that is worthy of your repentance. You see, this is not just about what's done on the outside. The most important thing is what's done on the inside. Then there he tells them, they ask him, are you, if you're bad, are you not the Messiah? We're looking for one that can perform these signs. We're looking for, he says, I'm not the Messiah. There's one who's coming who does not baptize with water, but baptizes with the Spirit. There's one who's coming who does not deliver you by might, nor by power, but, but delivers you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus, when he saw Jesus the next day coming, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The mercy giver was there. As Bishop Vaughan said, the breaker was there. The breaker had manifest himself in the flesh for all men to know him. So Jesus, in our story, goes to the pool, to this house of mercy. Yet he knows that what the people are looking for and believing in outwardly, he is the one that can give it. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus asked the question? I mean, he gets there. This is, this is God personified. This is the omniscient God, the all-knowing God, the all-present God. He gets there and he says, do you want to be made whole? Huh. That sounds like a silly question, doesn't it? Not only that, he goes to the one who's been there for 38 years. The one they know, you know, I, I suppose it was like us. Whenever our cars pulled up to the supposed house of mercy, they would say, oh, there's that family. They've been doing this for 20 years. So that man had a reputation. He was known at the pool as one who's been there for 30 years, 38 years, seeking deliverance. Jesus goes to this man and he says, do you want to be made well? What a silly question, I would suppose. It's obvious. The blind are here, the lame are here, the sick are here. It's obvious that they want to be made whole. But you see, Jesus had a bigger agenda. And that is the move we need to make. Jesus had an agenda of you, us moving from signs and wonders, water and splashings and what, 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 to moving by the Spirit. Jesus had an agenda of demonstrating and bringing to fruition the words that John had spoken. That these things, the things we seek, will not come by might, but there's a bigger way. The things we sang in that song, that Israel looked for signs and wonders, but Moses knew his ways. God desired us to know his ways. So Jesus gets there. He's at this pool, and all the people are looking at the water. The deliverer, the anointed one, the breaker is there in their midst. 
And I'm also speaking to myself. I probably would have been looking at the For years, I was looking at the water. I was looking at the milk. I was looking at the eggs. I was looking at my cheetah. And yet the breaker, the deliverer, the anointed one, when in their midst, none of them recognized him. Their focus, their gaze was not on him. Because that's not the move they were looking for. Zimbabwe, we've got to move. We've got to move from looking at signs and wonders, from looking at man for deliverance. We've got to move to looking at only what God can bring, the breaker, only what the anointed one can bring because his word says that's what he came to give. So, the story carries on. Listen to the man's response. After Jesus says, do you want to be made well? He says this. He says, no one will throw me into the water. And when the water is stirred, someone makes it into the water before me. Classic. Blame it on no one and someone. Who shot those people? Who did this? Hmm. Must be a third force. No one. What's up? Why are things this bad? Hmm. It must be someone. Let's pray that sanctions are removed. And we laugh, but let's personalize that. What is it that you and I are blaming on no one and someone? So he says to Jesus, excuse, Jesus, 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 hold on. Let me, do you want to be made well? Jesus says, excuse me, I asked you a simple question. Do you want to be made well? The man says, excuse me. Let me explain to you how things work here. I've got 38 years experience over here. Let me explain to you how things work. Over here, you see that pool over there? It needs some stirring. And some mighty power will come and stir up that thing. But when he stirs up that thing, no one helps me. So inevitably, someone else gets in there before me. And that's why I'm here. He's saying to Jesus, let me give you the solution to the solution I seek. And don't we do that with Jesus? Sometimes I have a prescription of how Jesus should deliver me from my infirmity. Come let me tell you Jesus by experience. I've been suffering from this thing. In Zimbabwe, we've been here for 39 years. Let me tell you, Lord, what we need. We are going to need A, we're going to need these sanctions lifted. B, we're going to need economic revival, uh, U.S. dollars. C, we're going to uh, uh, need better jobs. D, we're going to need electricity. And not only that, Jesus, because no one will do these things. We want you to help us when the waters are stirred to get into that place. You, I'm inscripting you to help me. Maybe you can volunteer. Now that I've explained the situation, now you can volunteer. You can come and move to move me to my prescripted deliverance in the pool. Jesus totally ignores the man's methods, totally ignores the man's prescription, does not even respond to him because we are not called to have Jesus follow us. We are called to follow him. A problem cannot be solved at the same level that it was created. 
We are only anointed to be breakers in as much as we are hidden in the breaker himself. We are only anointed to overcome our problems in as much as we are, no, we are in the one who's anointed to break the yokes of bondages over our lives. So Jesus says, come into me. Come into my prescription. And you receive your deliverance. So Jesus says to you, rise up. Pick up your bed and walk. The Bible says that at that moment, the man was cured. Rose up, picked up his mat and began to walk. A Jewish man began to walk and pick up his bed on the Sabbath and walk. Let me tell you how deep that is. We've been to Israel. They don't even press the elevator buttons on the Sabbath. That's considered work. So for a Jewish man, he knew that on the Sabbath, you better not be carrying your bed. You don't do that. But somehow when healing had come, he forgot his circumstances. Let me let you know, Zimbabwe, when we follow his prescription, we can forget our circumstances because true healing, true deliverance has come. But a short while later, something interesting takes place. And this is what's interesting that takes place. He encounters people. I want us to know there are people that stand in the way of your move. There are naysayers that stand in the way of your move. Because they encountered the, 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 the leaders. And they said, what are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Woo! Can you imagine? You've been bound for 38 years. You suffered for 38 years. The whole community knows of your state. You've been the laughing stock. In fact, they've said it is some sin in you or your family that has caused you to be the way you are. The day you receive your deliverance, the day you get your victory, they come to you and not celebrate with you. These are your spiritual leaders. Not celebrate with you your victory. They remind you of the law you are breaking. It wasn't like, whoa, man, Tazarurwa, you don't need the water anymore. You don't need to bath in Mkaka anymore. You don't need the eggs anymore. Man, is this you? Is this you, brother? You've been delivered from your infirmity? Is this you? No. They were focused on, you picked up your bed on the Sabbath. Listen to the man's response. It's a classic. The man had been so used to making excuses for his condition. He also made excuses for his deliberate condition. He said, it is not my fault. It is someone. It is not me. It is someone. Why couldn't you say, man, I can actually carry my bed. Can you not see that? Man, I'm so happy that after 38 years, I can carry my own bed. I am so happy that after 38 years, I can walk. I don't, I'm not interested in which day I get to carry my bed. I can carry my bed. He said, he says, no. And he, he doesn't even repeat the, Jesus said to him, rise, pick up your bed and walk. When he gave his answer, go and read the scripture. He forgot the rise part. He said, someone said, pick up your bed and walk. His deliverance had been pushed aside. Because that word rise, if you can put it up there. Let me go to my notes here. The word rise is the word igiera. That's the uh, Greek word. And it literally means Rouse from sleep, from disease, from death, from obscurity, from inactivity, from sin, from ruin. That's what that word means. It's not just rise. 
Jesus was saying, get up from your stupor. Get up from your sleep. Get up from your sin. Get up from your death. Get up from obscurity. Get up from inactivity. Get up from ruin. And when the man encountered naysayers, he somehow forgot, get up from your stupor. Get up from your death place. Get up from your ruin. And went straight to his bed. I believe the reason Jesus commanded him on the Sabbath, Jesus knew the law, to pick up his bed and walk was because if he left his bed at that house of mercy, at that place where man was waiting for the, for the uh, stirring of water, one day if something a bit went wrong in his body, he would go back for his bed. So Jesus was saying, take everything away from that nonsense. Take everything that reminds you of this nonsense away. I never want you to go back to this place. I never want you to be back there. I've delivered you. I've set you free. I don't want you back. If you go back to that state, go and sin no more. Your state will be worse than you were before. But that's what he remembered. He remembered that which kept him bound. He remembered the tokens, the emblems, the bed. That's what he spoke about. And he says, someone, someone, Someone told me to walk, pick up my bed and walk. Zimbabwe, let's get rid of all the emblems. Now, celebration ministries, let's get rid of all the things that remind us of the move of the flesh that we're looking to. Let's remember that there's one who commands this nation to rise, pick up its bed and walk. Let's never go back to the strength of man. Let's never go back to what can man do for you. Let's remember that he was anointed to set us free. So Jesus meets up with the man at the temple. And he sees that as well. And he says, stop sinning. Go and read. It doesn't say sin no more. Remember some people, Jesus said sin no more. Jesus said to him, stop sinning. I looked for commentaries. And there are various commentaries on what stop sinning meant. Here's what I believe. You see, When you're stuck in a condition, some condition that you're in, you can get used to that condition. Jesus was saying to him, the man had left the pool, had encountered people, did not take responsibility and ownership for his own deliverance. It was still no one and someone. His mentality was still focused on the things that he could see outwardly. Not the spiritual, the power of the spiritual things that actually made him well. The power was he responded in faith to a word from God, rise. Jesus said to him, get up from the stupor. Get up from this, this death thing. Get up from this ruin. Get up from this inactivity. Get up from this sleep. And he responded to that. The word of God is powerful. And when we respond to it, we receive it. That's the move that God's calling us to. He's calling us to move by his word, by his instruction. The children of Israel were so used to seeing signs. And they knew God by signs only. They had seen God deliver them out of Egypt by parting the Red Sea. When they got to the promised land, they said, right, Lord, 
part of the giants. If we don't see the giants parted, we ain't moving. We ain't moving. But in the journey through the wilderness, God wanted us and wants us as a nation to learn to move by faith and not by sight. Moving by sight is for children as they learn instruction. Moving by faith is for the mature sons of God as they have learned to obey instruction. So the instruction was go and possess the promised land. Not by what you see or what is before you. Because if you move by that, you can easily be deceived. You can easily get bound again. You can easily go into witchcraft again. You can easily be oppressed again. Because there will be no end to the things that you see, that move you, that scare you, that intimidate you. Those things will always be there. That's how we remain oppressed. But Jesus wanted us and God wanted the children of Israel to mature, wanted them to trust him, wanted them to believe his word, to believe his instruction. The just shall live by faith. The mature sons of God shall be led by the Spirit. So he was moving, from, moving them from the baptism of the Spirit, baptism of water through the Red Sea, to a baptism of the Spirit by possessing the promised land by faith. That came from believing in God. It's the same pattern in the New Testament where John says, I am preparing the way for the one to come. Who baptized? I, am, I baptize with water, but there's one who's going to baptize by a higher dimension. There's one who's going to baptize by the Spirit. And God wants us to move from being baptized of natural things, being baptized of man, to being baptized of the Spirit. God wants us to make that move where the mature sons of God are led by the Spirit. That's the call for you and I. That's the move he wants us to make to inherit what he has promised. So Jesus tells him, sin no more. Not, not, stop sinning. Stop being childish. Stop being moved by what you see. Stop being moved by people. Start being moved by me. By what I say. Because if you go back to being moved by things, if you go back to being moved by emblems, by lies, your condition will be worse off than what you were before. It is time for us to move. It is time for us to move from doing things and moving by what's natural to moving by what's spiritual, to moving by his, what he said. As Pastor Tom has been saying over the past two weeks, God is looking for men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, men who will dare him by faith, people he can show himself strong through. I, I pray that he finds some in this house that will not be intimidated to stand before power and speak truth. That will not be intimidated to use the influence they've been given, to use the place of, of influence that God has prepared you for now to extend the kingdom of God. So I've got three points for you to take away. First point is just say yes. When Jesus comes and asks you a question, don't explain your conditions. Don't look for excuses. Don't explain why. He knows the why. Just say yes. First Chronicles, First Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us for the glory of God. Our confession in this season is yes and amen. You said it. You've asked me the question, yes. Do you want to get delivered? Yes. Do you want to be well? Yes. Do you want to prosper? Yes. I'm not going to give you, Lord, my blueprint, 
blueprint of how that's done, I'll say yes to the promises of God in Christ and I'll add my amen to them. I'll not give you a prescription of how this should be done. I will trust you that your prescription, your ways are better than my ways. Your ways are much higher than my ways. We're going to need to learn to align ourselves to the promises of God. That's the move now. We're moving from aligning ourselves to circumstances to aligning ourselves to his promises. Even in the face of those who mock you. So, you know, Zimbabwe is mocked all over the world. In Kenya, when I got to the immigration office and I took out my, and you all know this feeling, if you travel and you take out your Zim passport, what happens? So the guy mockingly said to me, <laughs> this is gold in your country, eh? And I looked him straight in the eye and I said, yes, it is gold. Because there are promises that are made over this nation. And I believe them. So yes, that passport you mock is gold. Not because you say so or you mock it, but because God says so. So talk yourself, talk ourselves into victory. Not out of it. Train our tongue to move from being very articulate of circumstances to being very articulate of what victory looks like. Point number two, move or be moved. Waiting for something or someone to move, that period is over. Those men and women were waiting at the pool for something or someone to move. We've waited too long for someone to move in Zimbabwe or something to move. It's now time for those that will believe God to move because he has said so. To pick up our bed and walk. We've got to move. It is easier to direct a car that is moving than one that is stationary. Try moving a car that's stationary. Stop waiting. Move anything that will tempt you to go backwards. Jesus said, rise up, pick up your bed and walk. Don't leave your bed at, your, at, at the pool. Take it and go and burn it. Whatever it is that reminds us of this or this bondage, don't leave it in a place where you can go back to it. There's no need for insurance cover on God's promises. He delivers. God is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Luke 1 says, for nothing ever, nothing ever is impossible with God. He watches over his word to perform it. He watches over his word to fulfill it. And here's what I want you to know. If we will not move, if we will not move, we will be moved. Last point. Break out of the routine of despair and desperation. Get restless. Bible says that Isaac said to Esau, he says, do you not have a blessing for me? Surely, after he had blessed Jacob, surely there's a blessing for me. And he said to him, when you get restless, when you get restless, this yoke that your brother has over you will be broken. 
Pastor Tom last week said we need to move from despair. You see, this man was at the well for 38 years. Can you imagine his routine daily? His routine daily would be he needed to look for people to take him and his bed from his house to the well, to the pool, every day. For 38 years, then you would need to look for people to take him back home. Then repeat the same cycle the next day. And then watch people get baptized or get into the pool and his turn would be missed. There was bitterness, anger, all sorts of things that had developed in this man. But more importantly, when Jesus asked him that question, do you want to be well? That was not a, a question to ask him about being well physically only. But it was also a question to ask him about his willpower. And most of us in this nation find ourselves in this desperate situation that this man was in. Because we live, make routine, and normalize what is abnormal and abnormal circumstances. We are more comfortable articulating the abnormal. And lose concept of the normal and what deliverance looks like. We're very comfortable articulating our circumstances in this, in this nation. Very comfortable articulating bad governance. Articulating what fuel cues look like. Articulating what no electricity looks like. Articulating the education system that's going to the dogs. These things have become normal to the way we live. And the more we live in that circumstance, the more we lose concept of what normal is. The more we lose concept of what God promises. Do not get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Be restless. Could it? Could the above mean or be what Jesus saw when he asked the invalid that question, when he asked the paralytic, do you want to get well? If Jesus were at your pool, were at your place, you need mercy, what question would he ask you? Could it be that the energy we expend to live, to normalize the abnormal, the energy we use to look for fuel, look for electricity, look for money, pay school fees, put our children in school, do all these things that are abnormal. In fact, sometimes it makes us miss church on a Sunday because we've had a call that fuel has been found somewhere. So we normalize going to queue in a fuel queue over coming to worship the one true Lord. And we call that normal when it is abnormal. What question would Jesus ask you? Could it be that we're using more energy to live in the abnormal than to take to believe God for the normal? But because we've gotten so used to the abnormal, we don't see anything else. Jesus said, do you want to be well? He said, let me articulate to you my abnormal, which has become normal to me. This is my abnormal, but it's normal. What would it take for you and I to stand and face our giants, to move and possess the promised land? Would it cost us less to stay here than it would to move back in the wilderness and spend another 39 years going around this mountain. Our brothers before us chose to go backwards. The move they chose to make was to go back. I pray that that's not the move we are making. It is time we make a move. The cost of staying where we are is too great. We need a move. The waters, the signs that we look for, the outward deliverance that we look for cannot speak to you, Zimbabwe. Cannot speak to you, Celebration Church. But the one true Lord, 
the anointed one can. And he doesn't do it with gimmicks. He does it by his spoken word. He says, rise, pick up your bed and walk. Rise, pick up your bed and walk. Rise, pick up your bed and walk. Celebration Church, rise, pick up your bed and walk. Celebration Church, rise, pick up your bed and walk. It is time to move. Not the move that you think. Not the deliverance that you think. He says, rise, pick up your bed and walk. Rise, pick up your bed and walk. It's not an ordinary time. It is time for you and I to say yes. Yes, Lord, I'll get delivered. Yes, Lord, my family will be set free. Yes, my business will survive. Yes, my business will prosper. Yes, our family will prosper. Yes, we'll beat this cancer. Yes, our marriage will live. Yes, my children shall see the deliverance of the Lord. Yes, we shall prosper in the, in, 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 in the land of the living. Yes, and amen to all the promises of God. Yes, you are Jehovah Rapha over my life. Yes, you are the shelter under the shadow of wings where I hide. Yes. It is time to say yes. It is time to rise up, walk, pick up our mat and walk. Yes, this nation will prosper. Not by the strength of man, but by the promises of God. Yes, my children shall be God-fearing. Yes, my, my grandchildren shall be God. Why? Because children are heritage from the Lord. Yes, to all these promises. Do you want to overcome your enemies? Yes, Lord. Why? Because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. I say yes. I say yes. Do you want to break out of poverty? Yes. Do you want strength? Yes. Why? For let the weak say, I am strong. Do you want to prosper? Yes. Oh, that I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Do you want to be made whole? Yes. I want to be made whole. So whatever your situation is, I don't know what has brought you here. I don't know what it is that you're at the point of desperation for. But it is time to be restless and move out of that desperation. It is time to say yes to the promises of the it is time, and when he says, rise up and walk, rise up, pick up your bed and walk, to rise up, pick up that bed and walk. Never look back. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.